Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Estella Coughlin, and you are listening to the Nest Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Nest Podcast. Today, we have a special guest. She is an organizer of Bozeman Tenants United, an activist, and a college student, all in one. Today we have Miss Katie Fire Thunder. That was great. Thanks, Thank Michelle. I'm trying to do my best hosting ability. Amazing. You're killing it. So, so slay. I appreciate it. Of course. Anytime. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. No, of course. Thanks for coming in and sitting down and sharing your knowledge and your time. So, would you mind getting us started on? your upbringing and what led you to have this passion and this ambition of change and activism. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great place to start. Um, Yeah, I was born and raised here in Bozeman, Montana. I'm a member of the Ogallala Lakota Sioux Tribe. And I think I always kind of grew up in a pretty political and activist household. My grandma was actually the first female tribal president um, for our tribe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember being like five and going to her inauguration and that being like a pretty pretty cool experience and just always I there was always political conversations happening in my household it felt like and so I always had the knowledge of what was going on in the political sphere um, but always being young still there's a lot of young people that growing up I didn't feel like were super invested so it always felt like a weird thing like I would never talk about politics in school um, and then also just being a young brown indigenous girl in a predominantly white area and a conservative area that also made it a lot harder to do so yeah I was getting ready to graduate high school and in order to graduate from Bozeman High School you have to do a senior project which is a semester long project where you just kind of research a topic for throughout the semester. And so I decided to do mine on missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and people. So I ended up doing my project on that. And during that time, there was a legislative session happening. And so they were hearing bills like actively pertaining to the issue of my project. Um, And so my teacher was like, hey, like you might want to like go to this. It could be really interesting for your project and could potentially be some extra credit. And so I ended up going, driving to Helena and went and just listened to the hearing um, because we knew nothing about even what the legislature was. All I knew that it was a capital was a pretty building and it was pretty cool being in there. But um, <laughs> And so I ended up going and just listening to the hearing and heard a lot of like really impactful stories of those who had been directly impacted by the issue. Um, and during that time, I remember there was one story that really stood out and it was the mother of Henny Scott. She went missing and was later found murdered. And she wasn't found by the police or law enforcement, but she was found by a search party that her family had to organize because the local officials in the ca- in the area weren't doing anything to help and find her. And so that was just, it was really um, heavy to hear that if this bill had been enacted during the time when she had been, was missing and could have maybe found her before she had passed. And so I remember it was just like, oh, it was just, yeah, it was really heavy. Um, and 
I remember her mom was just bawling. And I remember I was like crying in that hearing room too. It was really hard. But that's when I knew this is much bigger than just a senior project or like a school project. People's lives are at stake in this. I just really wanted to like keep talking and like finding ways to like bring more attention to the issue for one and also find like what ways can we bring justice for these families who've just gone through these like really horrific things. And so ended up graduating from high school, finished the project um, and yeah, still wanted to keep that conversation going. So yeah, I ended up I was like beginning to like look at what different ways and there's so many different avenues of how we like bring justice. Um, and I remember there was this one woman um, named Pablo Harris. And <laughs> what was that? Yeah, I don't know. She's kind of underground, but uh, I'm not joking. Um, and so I ended up, um, I remember I'd watched her and had seen her um, throughout the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, um, his like Senate information hearings. And I remember just being really like inspired and was just in awe of her. Um, really going in on this guy and just really holding him accountable and was just being the, like being a powerful woman of color that I had like seen growing up. Um, but it was like the first time I'd seen it in this sort of like political sphere. Um, so it was very interesting. And I felt, yeah, it was just very something that I would like really inspired me a lot actually of like, you can get in there and create change. And so I ended up going, she had also announced that she was running for president at the time and was doing a rally in Colorado and Denver, which isn't too far from Montana. And so we decided, my mom and I decided to use it as a little trip, like a little summer trip and to go and see, go to this Kamala Harris rally. And so we ended up going, listening to her speak. And we noticed afterwards that she was um, going around, taking photos, shaking hands with people. And I had printed out a story or the story of Henny Scott. I had typed it out, printed it out, and was like ready to give it to anyone who who would listen and would take it just to like really start bringing the attention out there and making it, um, it's not just a Montana issue. Like this is a nationwide issue that's happening. And so ended up waiting in this long line to meet Kamala Harris. And I was the very last person in line. And she ended up like taking my hands and just talking to me. And I gave her the, um, the writing. And I remember I just burst into tears. Like I could not get a word out. Oh my gosh. I was just, I was feeling really hopeless at the time. And so just being in kind of her presence and also being in the presence of someone who had a lot of power, but was also willing to listen and like really deeply care um, about me and about the issues that I was wanting to talk about um, was really impactful. And so I ended up giving her the story, meeting her, and she promised me that she would take indigenous issues seriously. And so that was something that I took really seriously. Um, she promised like to put indigenous issues at the center and forefront of her campaign um, because often indigenous voices aren't incorporated or talked about like indigenous issues aren't usually like the forefront of what candidates think about and so yeah then there was this um forum that would talk about like specifically like indigenous issues and it was the first time they were putting this forum on for president the presidential primary 
And so I remember looking into the like forum and Kamala Harris was not on that list, which I was like, um, just made this promise to me. And now you're not even showing up for a forum. And so I ended up, I got the email to one of her senior advisors, Emmy Ruiz, who ended up still is someone who like, oh my gosh, I owe so much to. Um, she ended up, I got her email. And so I emailed her like, Hey, I'm not quite sure why Kamala Harris isn't going to this thing. I remember I knew nothing about politics at the time or organizing or what even in camp, what, what they do in campaigns. I had no idea. Yeah. Literally me right now. <laughs> I've been there. So I emailed her. I was like, I looked at her events on her website and it said phone banking. And I was like, Hmm, I'm sure she could miss a phone banking thing. And that's just for volunteers. That's not her schedule. And so I was just really out of the loop. So I remember emailing her and being like, seems like Kamala Harris is only doing phone banking this day. Like, is there any way we can move that around to get her to come to this forum? Um, and so I emailed it to her and she was like, em- I mean, email me back like really quickly, which again, I was in shock by because she's like, you know, senior advisor for this prominent woman of color who's running a presidential campaign. Oh my goodness. And so she got back to me and was like, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. I'm going to look into it and see what we can do. So I'm like, trust in process. And I end up going and watching the forum and Kamala Harris was there. So that was really, I think that was also the first time where I'd really seen and witnessed like, oh my gosh, like my voice also has power. And like, I mean, I'm sure I was not the only one helping her get there, but like, I definitely like helped like get that charge. And that was really kind of powerful to me. And so I ended up saying, like sending her a thank you email and was like, if there's any way, like anything else I can do to help um, or support along the way, I would love to get involved. I'm quite sure what I want to do right now. I'm just taking a year off. So have full availability. And she ended up emailing me back and was like, Hey, we have, we need some support in Las Vegas in Nevada. Um, and they have tribal communities in Nevada. Um, and so I wanted to see if I wanted to go out there and like help and learn an intern and learn about kind of what the campaigning process and what this was all about. And so I ended up taking the leap and moved to Las Vegas on my 19th birthday. Oh my gosh. Like, from that email to when you moved, how long was that where you accepted it and then you're there? Yeah, so I had, yeah, I think I'd emailed her. I remember when I met her. It was like like mid to late summer um, from when I had met Kamala and emailed Emmy. And then when I moved to Vegas was in September. So Okay. Yeah. So it was pretty quick. It was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. So you're like not really knowing now in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> working there on the presidential campaign. Yeah. Well, being an intern too. Yeah. That's definitely. super cool. And so were were there a lot of you guys no. interning? I was or? the only intern. Oh, I really? Yeah. I was the youngest person in the office. I was the only intern. Um, we had a group of organizers. And so organizers were like paid staff who would go knock doors, talk to vote, like to voters um, and try to get like host events, like get the thing going. But all of the people that I had worked with who were organizers of paid staff for this campaign had already graduated college and so i oh my gosh my imposter syndrome was insane i don't think i 
said a word in that office because I was just terrified the whole time, intimidated. Also, everyone around me was like, I felt like they were so smart and knew so much. And so I was just like, really, I just was quiet and kind of sat back and observed. And like so many of them I looked up to um, and continue to look up to to this day. Um, and so not being in the room with them was really powerful. And also there was so, yeah, there was a lot of powerful people. Um, on that campaign. Um, I was the most diverse campaign in the presidential primary and I was learning a lot. I worked like very closely with our East Las Vegas team, which is a predominantly like Latinx um, community. And so, yeah, learned a lot. Um, but I also felt very lucky to be immer immersed in the community. I lived with this woman named Jerry Schroeder, who was the first Asian American city commissioner um, in Henderson, Nevada. Yes. And so she, oh my, I like, yeah, I don't think my experience would have been as good if I didn't have her and her support. She like helped me just learn about like the community in Las Vegas and in Nevada and what it made up and also helped me understand just like the basics of what was going on in these campaigns and like in politics. And so, yeah. Um, and she's someone, anytime I go to Vegas, I, we always get dinner at this really amazing Chinese place that, uh, yeah. So she was amazing. Yeah. So many people that helped make that experience so powerful, um, and help me like get clarity and see how I can impact different things. I remember. Yeah. So it was just like, it was really powerful and is experience that I hold closely, um, to me. Um, and think about a lot and reflect on a lot. Of course. No, that's insane. That's so cool. And all it stemmed from was an email. Yeah. All it stemmed from was going and just talking about an issue. And from there, got in contact and literally, you're in Las Vegas yeah. being an intern. And was Kamala Harris, was she like located? there during that time or was she kind of not out, really. out and about kind of yeah she was kind of out and about a lot um iowa was the first like caucus state i believe it is yeah i'm so out of the loop with these primaries now i'm like very yeah um but so iowa was the first like caucus state and so that was where they were doing like a lot of uh, groundwork. But what felt really unique about Nevada was Nevada was kind of a state that um, we looked upon that was important for us to win because it was the state that had the most like diverse makeup of it compared to other, any other caucus state. Um, and so if we could win Nevada, that was like whoever wins Nevada is pretty major because that helps give a makeup of like what the rest of the country is going to vote like. And um, how they're going to vote. And so, um, she was mostly in Iowa though. Um, but she did come to Nevada a lot, specifically Las Vegas. So, um, that always felt very special. And anytime Kamala Harris would come to Las Vegas, I made sure to give her another written story of a young woman in Montana who had gone missing and, or was later murdered. And so, um, yeah, so she always knew to expect that from me and uh, what, um, I just did that to make sure that she wouldn't forget um, about why I'm in this and why I have stake in Kamala Harris, but also so that she doesn't forget um, 
to make sure that Indigenous people, Indigenous voices are at the forefront of our campaign. And that's so powerful. You, you just keep bringing up the conversation to somebody that has that great of impact on the world, the community. And so would you handwrite these letters to and give them to her? Or would you like talk, like have a conversation about it? Um, a lot of the times it was just, I like type them out because they were pretty like lengthy, I think. They okay, were pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were at least a couple pages. And so I would always just type them out. Um, and I'd always have conversations with the families and get permission prior um, to that just so they know um, that, yeah. hey, this is like this. Yeah. Because these are people's lives. It's not just like a little story. Um, and so they were always really intentional and well thought out um, prior to Kamala Harris getting them. So I always made sure they were very like like perfect, like that they were very <laughs> presentable. Um, but a lot of times it was like Kamala Harris, anytime she would come, was very also intentional about coming and saying hi and thanking her organizers and staffers that were doing um, the on the ground, most important work um, in these campaigns. And so there was always an opportunity for me to go and like give it to her and talk to her and just say, hey, how are you? Here's the story. So it's good. It's good. Would you have conversations with the family to help you like write the story yeah. or just kind of get permission or get their take on it or yeah. how would that? Yeah. So a lot of it was, well, what felt really was there was an interesting point in my project that I was doing that kind of like also helped me realize that I need to keep having conversations and keep involvement in this past um, high school was I ended up posting the story um, May 5th as um, the National Day of Recognition for Missing and Murdered Indigenous People. And so I ended up posting the story of Henny Scott um, on Facebook, just being like, this is someone who's been impacted by this. And it ended up getting a lot of attention, like a lot of shares. Um, and like, uh, yeah, just a lot of attention, and which I wasn't expecting. And so then it felt like a lot of pressure of, there were indigenous families like reaching out to me, asking me to share their story, like their loved one story, which was really uh, heavy as well. And like really hard because it was these people were trusting a young 18 year old girl with their loved one's story to like share and try to bring more attention to because they weren't getting that attention from local law enforcement. Um, and so that's how I was able to develop a lot of relationships um, with families and those who had been impacted. Um, and so when I gave those stories, a lot of what that looked like was me like doing a lot of research and looking into the story and then also having like direct conversations with the families and then, um, making sure that I was like communicative with them back and forth before the finalized story. Cause I wanted to make sure that when I, whatever I was writing was true and yeah, authentic to family and the loved one. And so I would always share it to make sure, cause I did not want to get anything incorrect, especially if it's going to like a really like important, powerful figure like Kamala Harris. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of work and time put behind the stories, um, but it was all worth it in the end. Of course. And that is so cool, but also how powerful social media can be used. Mm -hmm. You just put out the story and you have families coming to you wanting to have that conversation be heard and to me what stuck out is yeah like you said they're trusting an 18 year old with 
their loved one's story. To me, it shows just like, not that you can't be trusted, but this is just somebody on the internet, the desperation they have Mm, because no no one else with any power Mm -hmm. would help them or bring their story to the world Mm, and where they had to have an 18-year-old that was on a Facebook group group chat help them. Which which I think, like, don't get me wrong, I don't think you're not competent, (laughs) but it's just like it's that's what stuck out to me. It's, it's, it's very sad. Yeah, that there's nobody else that will support him besides like a name on a Facebook group chat. Definitely, yeah. And it would like, yeah. It also kind of showed to me too that there's like a bigger responsibility at hand um, than me just like sharing some stories on Facebook. But like, how can I create change and bring some some hope back into that family's life? Of course, of course. And so, how uh, like how many letters would you roughly give? I think we did. Well, it only kind of depended on how many times she came. Yeah. Um, And so, I think in total there was about like three or four. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And you said they were like pages long. Yeah. Like a couple pages. Okay. Awesome. Too crazy. (laughs) Perfect. And you know. Like what she did with those letters. If- I always trusted that they that she read them um, and took them seriously, and they got into the right hands. Um, I remember after one, this was really weird, uh, but I remember after I gave her one, I had a dream of her just being like, "Thank you for this." And so I kind of took that as a sign where I was like, "Okay, I think it's getting to the right people, um, and the stories are being heard." But there's no, there's no way for me to be like. Did you read that story? And what are you going to do now? But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. It's more like you had faith in her, and you had faith in some sort of justice. Yeah, brought up definitely. Awesome. Okay, so how long were you interning for, and how long were you in Vegas? Yeah, I think I was definitely there. I. Hmm. It was like less than six months. Um, oh, I wow. wasn't there for super long. Yeah. But still less than six months. I, I thought yeah. to, when you said, oh, it's not that long. I was like, oh, that's kind of worse. <laughs> yeah. So it was like less than six months, but it was still like a pretty, yeah, it was really formative. And after she ended her, so she announced that she was going to be ending her campaign in December. Um, and or wasn't no i think it was november so i think i was like coming back from thanksgiving because so i found out she was ending her campaign she did a phone call but i wasn't able to get on the phone call because i was on an airplane and so i found out via airplane that I landed, <laughs> um that she had ended her campaign i remember just crying on the plane um because yeah you have a lot of hope in state and you also hear a lot of stories of people who have hope in this person um and see vision like have this vision of what a future could be like um with first female and person of color woman of color the first woman of color president um is really powerful and people really got invested in that and so having that be ending um was really hard and i remember um one of our birdie (laughs) (laughs) Um, he picked me up from the airport and we just went right back to the office and, um, 
we went to the office and everyone was in tears. Um, and we all just kind of were in community together and processing what happened. And also what's the hard part that people, I think, that sometimes gets left unrecognized, that when a candidate ends their campaign, like there, there's a whole staff that is losing their jobs, right? And like a sense of uncertainty also happens during that, especially as we were coming up to the holidays. And so we all just kind of were, we, I remember we all ate like spaghetti in this office. And um, one of the state representatives came in who really like supported the campaign and also supported the organizers and the staffers in the campaign just came and gave this really powerful speech about like, this is just the beginning um, and the impact that um, those organizers had in the community in Las Vegas. And I remember after that speech, everyone was still just in tears, crying throughout the whole thing. And she was like, I want to give everyone in here a hug. And I'm, and it wasn't just like a statement. Like she was like, everyone line up. And so I can give you all a hug. And I remember it was just like, it felt silly at the time, but it was what so many of us needed was just like this hug that it was like, it was going to be okay. Um, and that the work that had been done was not unseen and unnoticed. Um, so that was really powerful. And I remember um, after the campaign, I just felt like I'd learned so much um, that others in my community don't get the opportunity to work on these like huge, big scale campaigns. Um, and I was just like, I'm ready to invest this back into Montana. Um, I had never seen organizing like I did in um, Nevada and Las Vegas and the way people were invested. Um so I wanted to bring that back to Montana and wanted to bring some sort of change here in Montana. Um, and so immediately I started school at Montana State. Um, I started in the middle. Yeah, I started in spring of 2020. So that was, yeah, right before COVID hit. So COVID hit right in the middle of that semester. So it was a very weird time to start school. Okay, so you said she ended the campaign December? You said I think November. November. Yeah. And you... Late November, early December. Okay, and so you went down to Vegas in, like, September to start. So it was September, October, November, December. Yeah. So I about, remember. like... Oh, my gosh. Way less than... <laughs> <laughs> like, or like... Wait, no, I can't remember. Okay, so it's like, three... Three or four months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, okay, so you were down there, and would you have... Yeah. Like you said, you were coming back from Thanksgiving. So did you come back to Bozeman a lot or just for like just Thanksgiving for and holidays I was really homesick yeah that was it was really really homesick I think I like cried every day um, oh, no. for the first like two months yeah I was so homesick I mean I was experiencing a lot of like yeah culture shock first time being away from home imposter syndrome also all of this pressure of being um like representing this like group of people um in this space and so it was really hard it was so hard every single day um but yeah i had such an amazing support system of jerry shorter and the people in that nevada office just really looking after me um and taking me under their wing yeah so i was there for like three or four months and then ended up did everyone just go back home pretty much yeah. okay so oh what was really interesting and what i loved and i think every candidate should do oh my goodness was that she 
when the campaign ended, she went, Kamala Harris went to every single campaign office and just kind of spent the day with them. Um, thanked them, went and got, I remember we all had a chance to like have some like just time with Kamala Harris and yeah, none of us knew that she would be the vice president one day. We just thought she'd go back to maybe being a senator or I don't know, just like taking some time off from being a politician. And so she went. So after she'd entered a campaign, she ended up going and visiting every single office. And at that office, people, we had the chance to like say goodbye to her. We also had the chance to bring in some of our volunteers who had like really invested in this campaign. Um, and I remember we all just shared a meal together. Um, yeah, took photos, talked more about kind of what our next steps were after this. Um, and instead of just like letting people go off on their own, we had like multiple days of training or I don't know if it was training. So we had multiple, we had like a day where it was just a time for people to like look over each other's resumes and like get interview trainings. Like it was really cool of like, and we all like the staffers in the campaign always checked we had one-on-ones with them um and checked in on like making sure that no one was left unsupported um at the end of this campaign and that there was someone who had like people had a landing spot of where they were going to go um after the campaign because yeah it was also gearing up towards the holidays yeah it was just really powerful and so i remember afterwards everyone asking me kind of what i was doing and i was like i'm ready to go back to montana i'm ready to go back to school i'm ready to go and like really just invest this in my community um and see see what we can get done yeah so from there then you decided you did want to go to school yeah so then what shifted from oh well you said you took a gap year so mm-hmm. did you still want to go to school but just not right away no, so I, yeah, I ended up like deciding to take my gap, like end my gap year quicker than, cut it short pretty much. Yeah. I ended up deciding to cut my gap year short. Um, and I started school in the spring semester. So, oh, okay. yeah, so... I had winter break. Like when I had ended being with Kamala Harris was kind of also the time that winter, the fall semester was ending for like traditional college students. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had like, win- I had like my own like little winter break of just being freaking home, like resting, reflecting. And that ended up coming, registering for school, getting enrolled that spring semester. Kind of immediately. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So why, why did you want to go back to school quick soon? Yeah. I just like, I was really fired up and ready to learn. I think more about what politics was and what I could do and like also wanting to know like what was going on in the community. Um, and so going to school just felt like the natural next step of like, Hey, I want to get a degree in political science, um, and want to learn more about was this experience that I just had? Like, is this how normal campaigns are run? I don't even know. It was just the experience I'd had. So I I was like, I was ready to get right plugged in, like right back and plugged in um, into school and continue that learning journey. Awesome. And you still wanted to keep up the knowledge and keep learning from that. For sure. And you talked about they did like resume builders and made sure you had all the support before you left. Mm -hmm. And so has that, like, from the present moment now, have you gotten opportunities that you may not have had with that internship on your resume? Mm. 
I'm not sure. Probably, honestly. Um, I think it would be, yeah. I like anytime anyone sees Kamala Harris for the people on my resume, um, that's immediately kind of sparks people's attention. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of my attention. Yeah, yeah, and especially and so, in someone in college, so young doing this. I, yeah. That's awesome. You're like, oh, oh, yeah, interesting. Definitely. Yeah, and so I remember I, I worked, so I ended up going to school, and then I worked for the Montana Democratic Party um, here um, during the 2020 race, like kind of finishing out that cycle that campaign cycle um just doing like montana local politics um so worked um closely with uh steve bullock's campaign he was previously our governor um and then decided to run for senate he also ran for president um in the same presidential primary i was working for gomlin that was oh, very wow. odd yeah Wait, so, okay. I mean, it wasn't odd this it was one... just maybe it was odd <laughs> be a dumb question but how many when you say presidential primaries or what was the primaries thing yeah so primaries were we had so it was trump was running for re-election so yes. trump had served a term and then trump was running for a re-election yes. um and this is just last presidential yeah campaign yeah it's kind of crazy for people that are within each party yes. that are trying to be like who's, the main supported one yeah is that kind of okay. basically yeah the the entire like primary presidential primary was going to see who was going to challenge donald trump okay okay so that's it so was he fun. was also primary he like, was not primaried at least i don't think wait, usually so if you like primary so was that joe biden that was primary um yeah well we had it decided who was going to be the democratic candidate so okay. it was like trump which like trump had been i think like endorsed pretty early on from the republican party and so no one was really challenging trump for that seat um but no one knew from the democrats who was going to run and challenge donald trump and so there was oh my gosh there were so many people in the race at the time and it just got narrower and narrower um until we ended up choosing Democrats. I don't know. Yeah. The Democrats. <laughs> I was like, do I say we? But um the Democrats ended up choosing uh Joe Biden uh to represent to go against Donald Trump. Um and then Joe Biden later won and Kamala Harris was elected as president with Joe Biden. And so was that kind of a full circle moment for you? Or yeah, yeah. Okay, because that was wild. You were like, holy cow, I literally was working with her and then it's like nope she dropped out mm -hmm. another person was pr primaried is that like the word like the general election okay, so like so now we're going is, into the general okay yeah. perfect so and then yeah from when she dropped out then it's primary election and okay this also might be a dumb question to you but does, <laughs> does the general election candidate did they get to pick their vice president yes okay so did did they probably meet each other before i think maybe i'm not completely sure what the process was because i was not entrenched or even like really looking at um national politics at the time i think um 
Yeah, I was like, I feel very deeply about like how we can change Montana and Montana's politics. Um, and was really invested in that. But I know there was um there was some skepticism about oh, actually, sorry, I'm gonna go back. I remember yes. Joe Biden announced that he was he was gonna choose a woman of color to be his vice president. Um, maybe even said like a black woman to be his vice president. Um, and so I remember like watching the news and them like being like, these are all the possible people that he could pick like maybe this woman because of this this and this but maybe also this person because this and this and this and i remember like kamala harris was often in those conversations so i think that they had like they had kind of speculated that kamala harris would be chosen um but there were they we didn't know until there was a formal announcement um and even when there was a formal announcement i was like driving and just found out because my mom called me um, and I was like, oh my goodness, what I would get. I just like wanted to be at home, like watching what was going on. Um, but yeah, that was really, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was a pretty jarring thing to find out that, oh wow, this like woman I'd worked for might make history as the first one of color black woman to serve as the vice president. Yeah. And you're like, like woman in general to serve as vice president. Yeah, no, really, it's so many so much history being made. It's oh my gosh, you know, literally. And on all those important text calls, you're transporting. I know <laughs> what is going <laughs> on, <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, I need to slow down. <laughs> but hey, you're also part of changing the impact, which is amazing. Thank you. Yes, of course. And then, so yeah. Because you thought, you're like, oh, after she said she wasn't going to run, you were thinking she'd maybe get out of politics? I don't really know what I was thinking. I was just... But you're just like, oh, she's just not going to pursue going further in this. I think so. Yeah, we were just... Yeah. I think also running for president has to be a big task. Oh, Um, I... Yeah, so I think we all kind of like um kind of expected her to take like some time off and just rest and um catch up before she launches on to her next step, whatever that might be. Which but that was, was a pretty was, quick turnaround, I'm assuming. How do you think that was? I don't remember. Um Yeah, I do not know any any timelines of anything. Yeah, I'm like, oh my But it gosh, can't be like too terribly long. I don't think it was too long. I think it was probably like again, like less than six months after oh, she wow. had ended. Yeah. Yeah. I think like maybe another like three or four months. And just like that, but she's I'm... she's back in. She's back in the still man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so yeah, and being a part of that change with her. And now you're seeing, you're like, oh my gosh, you're like, I literally hugged this woman. I literally gave like these powerful stories to her and she listened and truly wanted to help me. And it's like, now you see her up, you know, wherever doing all this amazing stuff. And you're like, wow, I have some sort of role to play definitely that's super sick yeah it was holy cow and you just got that internship literally from a senior project and and from just literally reaching out and it's like people can't say they can't make a change at whatever age they are no matter how young or no matter how old like you said 
it literally took you an email. I'm pretty sure everyone has an email. Right. Just reach out, start reach a conversation, out. start doing something. Do something now. Don't wait till later. Like, it can yeah. seem intimidating, but all you have to do is just start. That's the main obstacle. It's yeah. just to start something. Definitely. So good for you. And being, like, still out of high school, <laughs> and you're just like, I'm just going to email Kamala's vice. Or she was like a senior advisor. I'm just going to yeah. email Kamala's senior advisor. Yeah. And then we're holy cow. Like, but I also, like, also, I think... Um, I give a lot of credit to also like the people who were able to who like saw potential in me and like lifted up my voice. I think of course. I mean, there's a lot of power in like young people's voices. And um, yeah, I truly believe that there's a lot of power within our voices, but I think there's also a lot of power in like people who are in positions too and like who lift up others' people's voices. Um and I saw that throughout, like, the whole campaign of how things got done was a lot of it was, like, how can we uplift your voice? How can we, um, yeah, just, like, really beginning to uplift, like, specifically, like, traditionally marginalized people. Um, and I think there was a lot of intentionality around that in that campaign that traditionally I don't think happens, um, especially at large-scale campaigns like that. So, of course. Once you got done... You came back into school, and then you wanted to keep staying in kind of the politics and bring your knowledge back to Montana. So what kind of steps did you do once you got back yeah, to bring that know. knowledge to I wasn't Montana? really, well, I think I was also, like, getting kind of, like, I didn't know what the next step was. Um, I remember my mom volunteers a lot too. Um, and I remember she was volunteering, like just helping make phone calls, t- um, to voters to support Steve Bullock's campaign. Wait, that the phone bank? Where'd she go? Yes. She was phone she banking. Was phone banking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my circles. What the? Okay, wow. She was phone she's phone banking. banking. Okay. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Just everybody that out. Yes, she was oh, phone banking. <laughs> Circle. Okay, so. Mrs. Panther was phone banking, <laughs> making calls, and um, one of the organizers for Steve Bullock's campaign had worked for Elizabeth Warren. And I was like, my daughter worked for Kamala Harris, um, and my mom ended up helping me be this bridge of how I got to, I was a student, like, fellow, which is similar to another internship uh, for the Montana Democratic Party um, and helped closely with Steve Bullock's campaign. Um, And that was also a really formative experience of, like, learning. That campaign was a lot different than the Kamala Harris campaign. Um, And I think overall what I got out of that campaign was what, I don't believe campaign should be run like, um, and what I don't think politics in Montana should look like. Um, and I learned a lot of what I don't want to have happen, um, and how I don't want things to be going on in our state. Um, it felt very hard for me, um, day in and day out being surrounded by people who didn't really have as much investment as in in the state as I did. And as the people around me did in my community. Um, and uh, that was really hard and almost completely like kind of washed away any sort of dream or purpose I had in wanting to 
do politics in Montana. Um, I felt after that election, we lost really bad. And, uh, um, yeah, it was a cons- it was the most conservative our state had turned, um, during that time. And so, um, yeah, I, the hope that I had had, um, kind of was, yeah, dwindling. Um, and I just didn't know what the future looked like still after that. I was like, okay, maybe I'll move to DC. Maybe I'll get out of here. It's just like, it, it felt really hard and it felt like no one really cared about Montana at that time. Um, at least in the spaces that I was in. Um, and so, yeah, I think looking back on it now, right. Look at that experience of like, we cannot do, like, we are not going to get change in Montana, um, doing things like this. Um, and so, but at the time it was really hard. It was really just a, um, yeah, it was a really rough experience, but looking back on it, I, yeah, now I see like things that need that like can really hurt, um, uh, or can like hurt a campaign and hurt our state. Um, and so, yeah, just talking in circles now it was not a great experience, uh, working for the overall democratic party in Montana. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, opportunities for change within, the Montana Democratic Party. And I think, yeah, I think also like most people working and who are like invested in the state see that there needs to be change within our party in Montana. And I don't know if we'll ever get that change from the party. Um, So, but I believe there's so many people in this state that care um, and deeply care for the state that I see, see a world where we can get things done and um, change, change how we do things. Of course. And I think when we first like met up to talk about the podcast and talking about what we're talking about now you were saying something about in this specific campaign that the people working for it were not from montana Mm -hmm. something like that and how like here i'll let you speak on that if you do want definitely yeah i mean in this office like in the the office that i was working in i think there was three me included make maybe three or four people um, who were actually from Montana. A lot of the people who were working on this campaign um, had came from out of state to like work on that campaign. And I think there's a part of that that really shows like, wow, these people are really like kind of like what I was do, like feel investment in this candidate that they're willing to uproot their lives um, and go and work in a place they'd never been before. Um, And so I give them a lot of credit in that aspect. But I think what was also hard was, um, looking back on it now and like working in an organization where we're all fully in Montana, it's just like frustrating to me that we can't fill our campaigns and these roles with people who live and work here, um, and who are invested in this state. Um, and I think that shows a flaw, um, within the party, <laughs> within, um, how our campaigns are run. And yeah, I think I remember like on election night hearing something like, um, one of the organizers say, oh, I just hope we lose this campaign at this point. Um, and that like really, really messing me up in the head because um, they had the privilege of being able to go and move back to often their very liberal states where they didn't have to worry about um, the damages and the effects of like losing this campaign would have on local people and the people in my community specifically. Um, and it was really hard. And I was 
oh, I was so infuriated afterwards because I spent like that legislative session watching young LGBTQ trans indigenous people um, grow up and having to like fight um, to keep these rights and making it so it wasn't so hard for our state. Um, and that was really frustrating to me of just like, we had an opportunity here to like, and I don't know, you know, like there's so many things that went in on like how, like, I don't think it was just like our office alone that caused the loss of what's happening now and to this day. Um, but I think it like really showed to me like the importance of have of people having stake in the work. Of course. And especially coming from this Kamala Harris's campaign, which you found that passion mm-hmm. now to come back to somewhere where it's your home or you're still super passionate about this campaign and to not have a great experience. Okay. That's that can be super tough. And so from there, what did you do after that? No, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Like I'm done with electoral politics. Like I I'm like yeah. I just uh, that was exhausting. Um and took a lot took a lot of emotional toll on me. Um and so ended up taking a break for the rest of that spring semester. Wait, when did I do it? I don't even remember. But yeah, I, I say I take a break, but I don't think it was a very long break. Um, because later that summer, um, there was this group that when I was working for the Democrats uh, too, like the summer of 2020, there was the uprisings um for George Floyd um and the Black Lives Matter movement. And so that was Oh my gosh, that was also really like powerful to see was um, there was protest in Bozeman and downtown Bozeman where thousands of people covered the streets, um, like demanding and asking, demanding for justice. And so that was really powerful of like, oh, like our state, like our state does really care and like gives a shit about these issues. Um, And so um, that group, that organization at the time um, was like they posted something that they were going to host a little picnic event. And so it's like, well, let me go check this out. Like, cause I still like definitely have like had an interest in social justice, um, was, but was just like, maybe like my passion and my want for justice doesn't come from politics or electoral, let alone electoral politics. Um, and so I ended up going to this group and they had like this picnic. Um, it was very nice. And <laughs> there they announced, um, we're going to be running an electoral campaign for a city commission candidate. And I was like, what the heck? Um, what is going on? Now you're back into the... Well, at that point, like, like, we would love to like have any support, any volunteers. And so I remember I was like, like, um, the real reason is I thought everyone at that picnic was so cool. Oh my gosh. I was like, I have some electoral experience and like, I'm happy to help in whatever ways I can. And from that point forward, <laughs> ended up being on the city commission campaign and completely changed my outlook on politics in Montana, electoral politics, and really saw like, got a new passion of like, and hope of like, this is how we create change in the state. Um, and so, yeah, that experience was Definitely by far the most powerful and impactful experience I've had in electoral politics. Um, and yeah, I did kind of like, yeah, listening to this now, I'm like, oh, wow. I like did like really backpedal 
in politics starting at the national scale and kind of being very local now. No, but I don't think that's backpedaling at all because you're taking, you found that passion and you bring it back and you're still doing something you're passionate about. Yeah. Cause, I think the word yeah. of Montana too is like so important. And of like, course. Any yeah. Work I in politics, it. I feel it's so important and you're still mm-hmm. there showing up, striving for the change, even though you had a very amazing, unique experience of starting politics at the national level i don't think that if you don't go up and still keep a national level i don't think that necessarily means backtracking i feel like that means that you gain that information and you have so much more of an informed mind to go back and to see where you really want change and how you can better help your community. Oh, thank you, so That means you're a so lot. That's very no, I, yeah, no, I'm being so really, real. Yes, I that's really real. don't think that's backpedaling. I think that's, I think that's even better because people also need to stand up for their community. Mm-hmm. And people, yes. people, you know, people want to do it on a national level, change the world, which is amazing. But there also has to be people that to advocate for 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 them amen yeah amen <laughs> what you're doing is really amazing and inspiring thank you Estella. That means oh, of course <laughs> like i'm being serious so i don't I think that's that penalty at all and so okay now i'm getting back to the other campaign your latest one city commission city commission <laughs> okay I was waiting anyway so that city commission campaign so the people that you worked with were from montana yes and from like born well not born but like local to bozeman and okay. um i think what felt most special about that campaign was win or lose like we have stake in this campaign and win or lose we're not going anywhere and that was what was really powerful i oh my gosh i still dream about this campaign and this experience because it was so beautiful we it was just such a scrappy campaign we were there was no like clear campaign staff we were all volunteers and all just like trying to do the best that we could um for this young candidate running for city commission and we would meet and like um, no, he's like living room or meet in different like houses um, for Tuesday night meetings. And we'd have Tuesday night campaign team meetings where we'd give updates of like, what is this finance team doing? What is the mom's team doing? What is the like, what are the updates with Joey? <laughs> like, what are you doing as a candidate? Yeah. Um, and that was really special. And I remember I looked every week. I was also like really burnt out at this time. But the only thing that really kept me going was I cannot wait for Tuesday night to get immersed in this community and yeah just like really deeply being in community with everyone and then yeah we would spend long days and nights um canvassing and talking to people and that felt so special because it wasn't we didn't have the democratic party they have like the or like the big statewide party sorry they have lists and names of like strong democratic voters that we should go and like talk to but we didn't have those lists 
just a small, like scrappy group of young people. And so we would just go pick neighborhoods and go and knock on every single door. That was so special because I remember going back to the communities that I'd grew, like the neighborhoods that I'd grown up in. Um, I grew up in a lot of like Bozeman's low income family housing. And so I remember going in and knocking and just reconnecting with old neighbors and just seeing new neighbors being like, I used to live in this apartment actually. (laughs) And just being able to connect on that level felt so special and was also um, what was interesting about city politics is that it's pretty like nonpartisan. And so they don't run with like a D or an R in front of their names. And so we got to just open up the door and be like, what issues do you care about? What's impacting you? And have these like really authentic conversations with people. I mean, I had no idea what the city commission did prior to this. And so, and neither, not like a lot of the community in Bozeman didn't like know what they did either. So it was also like a really unique opportunity to like share like, hey, this is the power that the city has and we want to do this and we want to address the issue that you're dealing with. We see change being able to happen in this space and within this candidate. And so that was so special. And we only had three months of campaigning. We announced so... We um, had got to work on the campaign so late. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we had three months we were campaigning and uh, ended up... we lost the campaign but we got 30 percent of the vote which was pretty like pretty like good for just three months of campaigning that's awesome three months of campaign and you met these people just at a park yeah how you guys were saying you guys were scrappy you just didn't really know what was just i yeah yeah, and then you get 30 percent. that's amazing but even if you guys were scrappy you guys seem like you had ambition and drive and you had a purpose of why you were doing it Definitely. and all those things together that's that gives hope for montana that gives hope right. for you in politics that's mm. i think that's very powerful yeah and i remember like we had a campaign party um on election night and we had uh it was in colombo's pizza <laughs> classic <laughs> And um, I remember when we found out those um, elections also, we had lost. It was hard um, because we had like invested so much in this and also like also had like stake and investment in this campaign again. Of course. And so it was hard, but we all like it wasn't just like, hey, we lost this campaign. Like, kind of sucks. Um, let's move on. No, it was like, let's sit in this. Like, how are you feeling? Like, let's sit in this, but let's be in this together. Um, and I remember we all like, like we're in a circle and just like, we all just like sang this song together. It was really powerful. And I remember I left that campaign party, not like feeling how I did after we had lost, um, when I was with the Montana Democrats of just like crying the whole way home. But I like remember looking around and being like, none of these people are leaving. Um, this is really like when they say like this is just the beginning, like it was truly just the beginning of we learned a lot. Um, we still have so much to learn. Um, but we're coming back. Like we're coming back in some sort of campaign and we're all gonna continue to be in this together. Um, and that the work doesn't just end this campaign, that there's continuous work be- like this of course and because now you know yeah they're not going anywhere we're in this together we're all fighting for like the same thing they're all going to be in bozeman they're were they all kind of around your age um, or were they 
it was a variety okay. of age but also like all like still like skewing like pretty young okay gotcha and it's like even it's if like, you don't yeah. see them every tuesday you know they still have that passion you know they still have that drive and the purpose and so you can be comforted in that and also people like like me that don't really know not, really anything about it and just moved to montana or bozeman in general mm-hmm. it also gives me hope it's like we have people in this community that is as passionate as you that's passionate about this stuff and that yeah. you can feed off their passion and strive for a change in this i think that's very unique and amazing and i'm very happy to be a part of this community here yes, oh, yes. Also like, yeah now we got to get you involved <laughs> so how did that come about and like what yeah. is it first of all okay so yeah bozeman tenants united um i could give the whole spiel but i'll just like go back into like for like a little bit of like what happened after joey's campaign was we ran joey for city commission and then we ended up um through that every conversation that we had like overwhelmingly the people things that people were bringing up was housing um whether it be like affordability accessible housing um available housing um property taxes there was so much um people were really concerned with housing and so um over the summer we ended up taking kind of like a break during the spring but over the summer we decided to like develop a strategy team that would look into like what are the needs of the community and how can we like fight and organize around those needs to bring some sort of change. Um, and so we did, like, there was 12 of us. It was a, like an, 12 elected people from Bozeman United. At the time we were Bozeman United for racial justice. And so we were 12 people elected um, to deeply like research what the needs of the community were and what the next step or campaign should be. And so very quickly, it was just clear that like we needed to do something for housing. And so a lot of that time was spent like researching what is housing policy in Bozeman? What has the state done with housing policy? Why are we where we are today? Um, Also talking to local officials of what they think solutions could be to addressing housing and also like talking to housing experts and even developers. And so that was kind of what the strategy team did. And so we very quickly like realized that we needed to develop a tenants union. And so that's where we got Bozeman Tenants United from. Um, We decided to rebrand Bozeman Bozeman United for Racial Justice to Bozeman Tenants United. And we launched our first campaign. When was it? I'm so bad with dates. Um, You've been doing really great so far. I'm like, I think it was like early fall. Um, to ban short-term rentals in Bozeman. Um, and so that's our first housing campaign. We're still in the midst of it. Or was it the... St- Whatever, we're moving on. Yeah, we have Bozeman Times United. We have this campaign we're starting. Um, and the campaign was is to ban second home short-term rentals in Bozeman. Um, so there's three types of short-term rentals. Um, and our campaign is to ban type two and type three. Um, and so I can go over the short-term rental types. So type one is someone who short-term rentals who like lives in their house full time, but rents out like a spare bedroom short-term. Um, and then type two 
is when someone lives in their home like maybe six months out of the year but uses as a short-term rental the other six months which then is like they have a second home which and so then we have type three which is really the most dangerous type of short-term rentals is that no one lives at that home at any point in time that it's just used solely as a short-term rental and is pretty much just an investment property at that point and so we yeah, we're in a housing crisis in Bozeman. And basically, we got data that showed that there was hundreds of short-term rentals just in the city limits of Bozeman, from like ranging from like 500 to like 900 um, short-term rental homes that were just like sitting there again, like not being used. Um, and those are homes that could be housing like local working class people here in our community. And so that's what we're working on right now is campaigning to ban those. Um, we're getting a, so kind of how, yeah, I can explain like where we're at in that campaign, like how the city government works, but we're pretty much, um, yeah, we just hosted our first ever tenant town hall where we had 300 people come out and demand that the city commission ban these short-term rentals. Um, and we got to hear from the city commissioners on where they, where they stand, um, on this and, we're coming up in May on a work session where the city city staff will bring research of the effects that short-term rentals kind of have been having um, in the community to, they'll bring it to this work session and the city commissioners there will have the opportunity to talk about or like to bring the proposition for a policy. Um, and then they'll vote. So we're hoping to get a vote on that in like August. Okay. It's the latest. <laughs> okay. That's super cool. Like everything I just said, super cool. But it's thank you. I think it's super cool. I get okay. Backtrack. So you bring up these issues, and then how do you? How are you able to like go? I I forgot the word again to like the center city commission to bring up these issues so that they will listen and like you said research or yeah. bring in the data definitely yeah so how do you like get in front of these people mm, beautiful question yeah i um i should also preference that like it wasn't just like these 12 people that decided like we should do this campaign we had like a variety of campaigns that we could choose from um and we brought all of our base together and was like what do you think the need in our community is like this is our proposition this is our proposal what do we think and so our base voted on this campaign um, and so that's when we like know like, oh, our people and our base have investment in this campaign, um, just as much as we do. For sure. What's so, your base? Our, sorry, when I talk no, about okay. our base, yeah. When I'm talking about our base, I'm meaning like members in the tenant union. So um, you can sign up. So be... we have a dues paying program or okay. like a do yeah, dues yeah, paying members. Like really yes. cool. Yeah. So we um we are a grassroots like organization movement. We just filed actually for a 501c4 status, which is like a nonprofit. Um, but how we get our members and like who we consider our base are those who are dues paying members. Um, our dues start at one dollar. Um, so it's not breaking the bank or anything. So if you would like to yeah. be a member of Bozeman Tenants United, one dollar subscription. You can vote. I can explain. Our structure is also very interesting is that we have a steering team, um, which kind of like does a lot of this research, um, like knows, does a lot of like the grassroots on the ground organizing, but so do all of our members. But what the steering team does is um, 
brings proposals to the base and to um, our members on what kind of ideas we have for how we go forward in this campaign. And so we just approved our timeline for the campaign of like different actions. And so we, every move, like everything that we do is strategic um, and well thought out and approved by our base. Of course. Oh, that's super cool. So they can just be a part of it to also make a change and have an impact. Definitely. Yeah. And okay. it's like, we don't want, like, my voice is not more influential than, um, like, just another member's voice. You know? Gotcha. It's all voices are equal, and you guys are all fighting for the same change. Gotcha. That's awesome. And so, how many members would you roughly say are all a part of? I think we have about 100 50 to 200 dues oh, wow. paying members yeah that's awesome yeah and we hope to we're like every day we're like going and trying to like grow that number and bring people in and um yeah grow our base oh, what our campaign gosh. we believe it i like yeah people power of course and so how who do you go up against to win the campaign or like Ooh, yeah. yeah that's a yeah i don't think i can talk yeah that's a really good question so Oh, yeah. And so we have obviously the city commissioners vote on the campaign. And so they vote. We need three yes votes um, to win this campaign. Three out of five votes. And so that's how we win the campaign is getting the city commission to vote and pass it. But really also behind the scenes, our city manager, um, Jeff Mihalik, I'll name drop, um, has the opportunity to um, basically can bring, um, bring he, he's the one who has like a lot of power within the city commission, but is it an elected official? Um, um, and so he has the power to, he guides city staff on what to research and what to bring to city commission. Um, and so we need Jeff to bring these proposals to city commission, but also the city commission has the power to like ask for these um, policies and stuff to be brought forward. So it's kind of like we want to get like the city commission on board, but we also want to get city staff and the city manager. Okay, so this is Jeff guy. Yeah, so how Jeff does guy. so how does he have the power to bring it to city commission? Because he so he like guides city staff. So he tells city staff what to do, and the city staff research. All things because city commission, sorry, I guess I should preference city commission cannot vote on anything unless it's been researched by city staff. Okay, gotcha. And so, how did you get Jeff on board with this? Um, I'm gonna say he's not fully on board actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. And so, that's kind of something that we're still like kind of maneuvering and figuring out. Um, Jeff, Jeff is a character, I think. I don't know Jeff, I've heard things about Jeff. Um, but I would say, um, that, yeah, the city commission, we're kind of like really hoping out that the city commission has accountability, um, to us and to our base and to our members, um, of like really pushing that if Jeff does not bring these, um, uh, policies forward that we are demanding and asking that the city commission can then, um, pressure on him because the city commission also does have the power to fire him. Okay. So. Okay, so he's not fully on board with this. But At least that we we don't publicly know. I don't think he's okay. able to like state state if he is just, or not. Yeah, based on vibes. Gotcha. Got and, yeah. and so, but the reason you 
do need Jeff is because he bridges the gap from you guys as like the organization to the Senate. No, to the city commission. <laughs> Which is interesting because we don't refer to our city commission. We like we refer to it as our city commission compared to like what I'm used to. I don't know why I'm used to. But it feels more natural to, to call it like a city council. Oh yeah, all these words are confusing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and no. Not, no, you're good. I need we should have gotten a little dictionary printed out. But anyway, so you do need him to bridge the gap. And so how did you guys like find this guy and choose this guy or was he the, like the only one that had the power to like bridge that gap if that um, makes sense yeah i don't think we would have normally chosen him i think it's just like within this like we have to have like a good understanding of the structures and how like our political systems are set up and how do we maneuver in those systems and so um like just based on like political kind of education of how the city commission works is that we recognize that jeff is also a powerful powerful player um in our campaign gotcha and so how did you learn that kind of structure because you just oh, said something about that yeah structure was it just kind of immersing yourself a little, a little bit i think we learned a lot from when we ran joey as a city commissioner um on like how it works um and so, yeah, that's kind of how we learned a lot was from Joey, but also like during the six month research period, we learned a lot about like how the state legislature works and the decisions that they make and how they've affected local control and how they've affected Bozeman. Um, and we also like during that process had to learn like how city commission works um, yeah. and why they do or do not do something. Gotcha. And then do you handle or manage the business side of Bozeman Tenants United? Ooh. Or do you mainly do, like, what's your kind of main role? Yeah, so I am a steering member of Bozeman Tenants United. Um, there, our steering team um, is one of six elected um, members. And we are members who are deeply invested um, and have stake in this campaign. Um, and as a steering team member, I kind of touched on it earlier, we come together, we like talk about like what feels strategic for our campaign, what are some things, and then we bring proposals to our base. Um, and so every Sunday we have tenants meetings. Um, and so we attend those tenants meetings. We do a check-in before on just kind of like what all we've been doing. Um, I often like spend like kind of things that I do on a day to day is like, oh, like we do canvassing and phone banking. You know what that means now? Yes. <laughs> banking. Phone banking. So like canvassing and phone banking and just like going out and talking to those in the community um, and getting them plugged in. Um, and if people who like have like a really powerful and interesting housing story and experience and feel invested also um, in finding and like housing justice, um, bring them in. I like meet people for coffee, have one-on-ones with them, understand like their story, their personal stake in this um, and figure out ways for them to get us get plugged in. Um, and so we do one-on-ones, we do research. We also like as a steering team, like are in constant communication with the city commissioners, um, which feels really like special um, that the commissioners are open to these conversations um, with us. And 
Yeah. And so we like bring proposals to steering team. I mean, to our base, our members. Um, and yeah, keep checking along. Awesome. Love it. So then it's just the steering team that needs every Sunday or is that like steering team and base? It's steering team and base. Okay. And everyone, everyone and anyone, even if you're not a dues paying member, we welcome everyone to these Sunday tenants meetings. Okay, and where can you find these tenants meetings? Ooh, they change. Oh, they change a little bit, but yeah, just follow Bozeman United, Bozeman Tenants United on Instagram, and we keep updates on there. And a lot of the times we meet in uh, church, and then like we go off and on from in person to online. Okay, so there are some online right definitely. Or sure. Something yep. like that. Okay. So it's very accessible. Yes. Everybody. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we have like child care options. Uh, oh, wow. Things like that. Yeah. We try to make our meetings and things as, as accessible as possible to meet people where they're at. Amazing. And how long do they usually run? Um, They're 530 to 730 um, Sundays. Oh, wow. So it's like a two hour yeah so, so how much do you talk in there or um it depends like we have different people facilitate and so um we also believe like we're a leaderful un- union and so anyone who wants to be and has investment and stake um can be a leader in this movement and so um the only times i'm really talking during the meeting or if i'm given my given my take or like helping facilitate um but also we welcome um, all of our members to take on those roles as well. So a lot of times I'm like, I've been given space um, to people who are interested in wanting to take on leader, leadership roles um, and supporting where I can. For sure. And so this is also, I don't, well, we're like a grassroots movement, but we do have like nonprofit status. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But we're what we would, we would call ourselves like a power, we're a power building organization. Oh, um, yeah, we like there's like advocacy groups um, who like advocate and like about different issues. Um, there's like service organizations um, that are like, yeah, providing services to the community. And then we like want to distinct ourselves um, as a power building organization that we're like building power to create change. Wonderful. Oh my gosh, snap. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. So, okay. And is any of this stuff that you do? Is this all, like, through all the campaigns and through both Tenants United, is this all solely based on voluntary stuff? Or has, if you're okay with saying, is any of this paid? Yeah. So we have, yeah, oh, we're all, like, volunteer-ran. Um, we have a mutual aid network. So, um, like, I was working, like, three jobs at the time. Exhausting. Um, Wait, and so, so are you working? Three jobs. I just quit one. Oh, yes. Snap. Snap. I'm no longer at Maurice's working my retail job. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. But what well, three, is. Okay. Yeah. But so what feels really unique about Bozeman Tenants United is that we have a mutual aid network um, where our dues go into and then we get in, we get them invested right back into our people. So um, for me, I'm like, oh, I'm working a lot. I would love to like spend more time like organizing with BTU. They like sat down with me and we're like, what would it take for you to leave your job um, and organize with BTU more full-time? Um, and how can we compensate to help support that? Wow. So who who gets to make those decisions and sit down with you about 
we have a money team. So we have different like teams. So, well, we have different teams for whatever campaign we're doing at the time um, or whatever actions we're preparing for at the time. So they move, um, our teams kind of like change ebb and flow, um, but we have a consistent comms team, which is communications that like helps render our social media. We're getting a website up and going. They do media training for members when we have like events or people who want to talk to us in the media. Um, and so comms team is really holding, holding it down. Um, but also money team is another team that holds it down, um, that like helps run the mutual aid network. Um, and that mutual aid network, yeah, like does come in like some sort of financial support. Also, if like someone needs a ride somewhere, they can reach out to the mutual aid network and we see if anyone needs or has a vehicle to give a ride. Um, awesome. so like, yeah, it can go from like big things to even just like Small, necessary. You know? Yeah, those things. So yeah. super cool. Feels really unique and special. Okay, so then by sitting down with the money team, you're able to now you're full of communications. No, or was that just an example? That was just kind of like an example. Okay, okay, gotcha. So okay, but so now you're only down to two jobs. Yeah. Nice. So I'm like, yeah, I don't really think of Bozeman Tennis United as a job, but okay, uh, yeah, they help me a lot. Just like. A passion project, kind of. For sure. I think okay. it's, yeah, I just, like, organize. And, like, I will always be organizing um, in Montana as long as I can. And so it's just the organization I'm organizing through. Montana. Oh, thank you. And hopefully, so we can have, <laughs> hopefully we can have Bozeman Tennis United. I don't think we're just, like, a like a tentative thing that's happening with, like, one or two campaigns. Like, I see us, like, really growing out and being able to reimagine what our state looks like. and um begin to help reimagine how we run candidates and how we support candidates um, and how we kind of change the systems we have in Montana right now. Of course. And because you said you switched the name to Bozeman Tenants United, literally starting in the fall around that time. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been even a year yet. And you have so many members. You're doing such great things. Two-hour meeting. Like, you can fill up that time with important information yeah which is really big for sure which i think you guys are heading in that right track yeah and i think that also like shows like the need the the community like this has been needed in the community for a long time um and people are just like ready to get invested and our leaders are invested um our base is invested um and i think that like it just like really i don't know every sunday i get it i'm inspired um and I believe a lot of things are possible, and I believe that because I've seen the people movement behind how we can get these things done. I love that. I love that's very inspiring to know that there's like something like this. Like I said before, in Bozeman and people that are so passionate about this, because of the crisis, since moving here, I'm like, it's so hard to find places to live. Also, it's very expensive mm-hmm. too, as well. Um, yeah. So. I love that you're part of that change. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and so now to wrap up the episode, unless did you have anything else you wanted to hit on? No. Okay. That's great. And so to wrap it up, I did put on the Instagram, the Nest Podcast with Estella, <laughs> um, uh, a, a uh, question. Piece. Oh, yes. Anonymous questions. Oh. So we just have a few here. And don't worry, they're nothing too deep. Okay. I think. <laughs> and then after that, you should be 
pretty much all wrapped up. So, the first question is, how did you come to be friends with Estella? <laughs> wow. wow! Oh my goodness! Oh, what a privilege! Um, I. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Stella and I met through Alpha Comic Con Pi Inspired Ambition. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah. Um, we just met through the sorority. Yeah, and the sorority has been an amazing experience. I mean, I like, like when I was like really like done with politics, I was like, I need to make friends. Like, outside of those I went to high school with. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need to get Yeah. It's been an amazing experience of like, I've met my lifelong friends, including Estella. Um, And feeling is mutual. Thank you. Yeah. I cannot imagine my college experience um, or where I am today without support of um, uh, my sisters. That's so cheesy, but like the people at Idle Pie. I love that. I love that. Yes, yeah, so we met through the sorority. And okay, I don't remember, but when we had recruitment, like oh, the weekend, I think I, we were at one of the houses when it started raining and we came up to you yes. in the rain. Oh my gosh. Do you remember that when yes. I came up? I don't know if I remember. Maybe you coming up. Barely. You well, guys, okay. I remember the but, drama of it, like, yeah. pouring on no, us. No, because. Oh gosh! So yeah, we were one of the houses. They were singing, doing their little song. That well, I think it was five minutes. Yeah. It's okay though. But you and another sister, <laughs> like guiding all the recruitees, yes, to go look at the houses. Anyway, starts downpouring, pouring. Was running to seek shelter. Yeah, the house is still singing. We're like, please let us come in. Oh, anyway, by the time we get in, we smell like wet dogs. Anyway, you were you guys were like underneath the canopy or something, yeah. and I'm like running, and I like come up to you guys because I'm like they're so cool, and I come up and I introduce myself at that moment. Oh, you guys were like taking videos. You guys were like, oh, my the song. It's nice to meet you guys. What's your guys' name? I remember we shook hands. Oh my god! And the others. Was that the best time to introduce myself? Probably not. But I do remember that moment of when I first met you. Oh my gosh! It was so memorable, though. I remember when it was downpouring like that. Yeah, that was. But I do not blame you if you do not remember me approaching. No, I remember. See you, I'll give you some insight. I remember okay. you because I remember another girl in another sorority that I was friends with telling me there's this girl named Estella and she's my rush crush and I really hope she joins my sorority. I think and I know. Then, yep. And then I remember seeing you on Fit Day with a little AOPI shirt and I was like, hey, <laughs> we got her. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. I know you're, I'm yeah. obsessed me too. Oh my gosh. Okay, next question. What are you most looking forward to in this year? I feel like this person did not mean to put in, but it's okay if you're grammarly incorrect. Don't judge. Oh, what am I most looking forward to? 
Like, this can be by the end of the school year, and this can also be by yeah. the end of, like, 2023. <laughs> Real. Oh, oh my gosh. So many things. Well, I'm excited to win our campaign. Mm-hmm. Manifesting it now. Yes. yes. Um, I'm looking forward to winning our campaign. Um, looking forward to... I graduate college this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Yeah. You're a senior right now. Yes. I'll be graduating next fall. Oh, so I joined in the spring. Yeah. I started school in the spring. So I knew in the fall. Very just odd years. But yeah. Okay. Let's go. Oh, yeah. oh. Take that if you need to. No, it's just Crystal. She's probably just wondering where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> we love Crystal. <laughs> I love it. Like, you can tell her where you're at if she... Should I call her? Yeah. Just be like, what up? Hello? What are you doing? I'm on the podcast with Estella. Do you want to say hi to the people? Oh, my God. Hi. Yeah, put it up to the mic. Any wise words, Crystal? No, not really. Nothing too wise comes out of me ever. (laughs) Crystal, that's not true. Oh, oh, another guest. Another Why guest. Honor of hearing. Honor of hearing some wise words from Crystal Ayala. Yes. Oh, she <laughs> always has something fun to say. <laughs> she said she didn't have any wise words. Many, many wise words come out of her mouth. I many. Feel. Yes. <laughs> just hit into the soul. Oh, yeah. And many. Just amazing lived experiences. Of course, she's uh, so funny. Yes, she. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely <laughs> someone that learns from experience. And I love that. We love you. She, she goes through the ten, the trenches, so we don't have to. So. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> we love this. You do. She does it. She does it for us. She does it for us. Yeah, she's for the people. Yeah, she's for her sister. Yes, she's also an alpine. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Oh wait, did wait? I don't think we finished the question. Oh, what was the question? Oh yeah. What are you most looking forward to in this next year? Yeah, no, just like graduating, winning this campaign, and just kind of. I think also just the excitement of like. I don't know what's next and i think that is kind of exciting too of like i don't know what's next but obviously like crazy things just like come when i least expect them and so i'm excited for what's next after all of this of course that's awesome next what is your proudest accomplishment oh my goodness hmm. i don't accomplishments to be proud of like if you can you can fill up a whiteboard <laughs> um no, I think definitely my, like, my proudest, like, the accomplishment I'm most proud of is helping um, jumpstart Bozeman Tenants United. Um, I think that's an accomplishment that I am still, like, investing in and trying to, like, push through. But I also think it's something I see us, like, we've already changed kind of, like, the public narrative in Bozeman and common common knowledge of, like, how we do politics in Bozeman and in Montana and changing that, um, the narrative of, like, we just run people every two, four years um, and no, like, really, like, getting it, like, I'm, yeah, most proud of being able to invest in my community through Bozeman Tenants United. Amazing. And what are some goals you're working towards 
And what are your strategies for reaching it? Oh my goodness. So I'm literally telling you these questions on the fly. I oh. did not give you these questions in advance. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think one of my biggest goals is to take over this whole state of Montana. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And just like being able to change. I don't think our government in Montana right now is representative of the people at all. Um, I think with our current legislative session, we're seeing that deeply. Um, and I have this vision where our um, we're tenants and people who yeah, live and work in Bozeman are like invested in the community and are, yeah, I just have a vision of us taking over the state and being able to win real change. Our state legislature is made up of majority tenants because that's what our state is made up of. Um, and we, um, have this huge people power movement where you can't, you, everyone in Bozeman knows who Bozeman Tenants United is and everyone in the state of Montana knows. Um, and that if candidates want to run for office, they need to run through BTU. Otherwise if they don't got a BTU endorsement. They can't win. So I envision, yes. So I envision us like taking over Bozeman first and then eventually like really taking over the state and being able to, um, uplift and um the voices of those all throughout the state amazing oh my gosh and how we get there is through organized people organized money people power amen amen that's all she wrote (laughs) so so much coming on like honestly i'm honored oh Oh my gosh you are this is my honor to be on here oh my gosh Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Literally, we've been recording like we just hit the two-hour mark. Oh my goodness! Holy cow! I appreciate your time. Appreciate your patience. So yes, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, for the work you're doing, for the impact you're making on behalf of Montana and all of those women. Thank you, Estella. Thank you for allowing me to share a little bit of my story on this point. Oh my gosh, come back whenever. Well, thank you everyone for listening wherever you are. And make sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. And follow the Instagram at The Nest Podcast with Estella. And I will see you next month. Until next time.